Hello, and thank you for listening to the Skeptics in the Pub online podcast. This unedited audio is taken from Pseudo Archaeology, Fake News and New Fakes by Mirko Gutjar. It was first broadcast live on Thursday, January the 21st, 2021. A video of this and many of the recordings posted by Skeptics in the Pub online are still available on our YouTube channel. We hope you enjoy this podcast and thank you for your support. Well, thank you very much for this kind invitation and introduction. And uh, I have to say it's a great honor of being invited to the Skeptics in the Pub uh, in England uh, and uh, on the same time international, as I learned today. Um, even though the pubs are all closed and the, at the moment uh, uh, everywhere, I think, um, and I don't even have a real beer here, um, I hopefully uh, will meet you all, all one day uh, to um, have a real one with you. But uh, today um, I will talk to you uh, on the subject of pseudo-archaeology and why is there an issue coming with that. I want to start with this guy. You probably recognize him if you don't uh, live under a stone. <laughs> he was in the news lately quite often. His name is Jacob Chansley, or better known Jake as Jake Angeli, or better known as Yellowstone Wolf, or QAnon Shaman, or best known as that crazy guy with the Viking outfit from the storming of the Capitol on January 6th of 2021. Even though that's not a Viking outfit, but more to that later. Now, what has he to do with tonight's subject of uh, pseudo-archaeology? Well, he shows why pseudo-archaeology forms an important part in the right-wing conspiracy theory and why it's important to keep a close watch on uh, people using pseudo-archaeology in uh, um, pop, pop culture. And um, to bring my conclusion of this talk already now, um, pseudo-archaeology is not just fluffy and harmless, or at least it can be. But let's begin. What's pseudo-archaeology actually? Why does it matter? Pseudo-archaeology, um, simply um, coming from pseudo, uh, the Greek word for soidain, um, means cheat or lie. And archaeology, hopefully that's straightforward, uh, the science of the uh, ancient times. Um, so it's a broader sense uh, what it claims to be um, archaeological claims, conclusions, ideas, or notions which, which have fake, fraudulent, or even fantastic uh, basis in reality, rather than being uh, solidly grounded in the scientific method. Archaeology is a study, sorry, it's a study of human culture, and through uh, it's done by by using the material remains, and like any branch of science, it's done by careful uh, observation, uh, using consistent logic, and of course to evaluate the data. All that is not done by pseudo archaeologists. Um, don't confuse pseudo-archaeology with um, um, bad archaeology. Of course, there's always plain old bad science everywhere, of course, not only in archaeology. Um, sometimes this happens intentionally, sometimes completely unintentionally. There will always be those who cherry-pick their data or simply refuse to overcome old biases. I can tell that from old professors of mine. So. Um, 
if uh, we break up that a little bit, what is um, pseudo-archaeology uh, or its branches? There are many reasons to believe or propagate pseudo-archaeological claims. Um, mostly they're based on nationalism, on religion, on sensationalism, or simply on greed. Uh, sometimes, or very often, uh, it's a mixture of all that. Um, I uh, nipped this uh, nice meme, um, simply pretending a watermelon does not validate your argument. It does not. Um, you probably recognize the guy on the left-hand side. Uh, he's always in Twitter memes and Facebook memes. Um, we're coming to him uh, um, quite shortly as well. Nationalistic pseudo-archaeology tries to prove importance of early origins or of a specific nations or religion, uh, religion, sorry, religion. Uh, religious pseudo-archaeology tries to prove events from ancient scriptures, um, which then um, show that already the scriptures are true. Um, and of course, then the belief uh, which stands behind that. Um, and of course, um, sensationalism and money-making uh, are the basis of many other outlandish claims, often coming from self-proclaimed outsiders of the field. I will focus today mainly on the latter, since it's a field where the most people encounter pseudo-archaeology, especially the ancient Austrian theory, or Paleo-Seti as it's called, probably uh, have seen this uh, TV show or at least heard from that ancient aliens, which is now running in, I think, the 16th uh, um, series now, um, over 188 uh, episodes. Um, that's coming up in February with William Shatner, I'm afraid to say that. Um, but still, um, the um, series is still quite uh, successful. Um, it's dealing with the idea that extraterrestrials landed on Earth in the past and significantly influenced early humans, their genes and uh, their cultures. Mm. The apparently clear result of the series is clear from the start. Yes, they were there, or weren't they? Um, but to now, uh, beforehand, two more simpler questions. What is Paleo City? Um, the claims of Paleo City, um, or uh, ancient astronaut theory, um, is that there are intelligent life forms, which you, the, science, the rest of science doesn't know of uh, yet, unfortunately. It would be great if we, if we uh, someday discover them. But uh, Paleo Seti already claims that they are intelligent life forms around. They visited Earth in the past and influenced the development of human biology and or culture. Um, then uh, they claim that there are artifacts, buildings, and even sites which can be related to them and prove, of course, their existence. And the bad mainstream archaeologists like myself do not acknowledge or even hide those proofs. It's difficult to briefly outline the phenomenon of pre-astronautics or paleocity, as I said. Um, there's a multi multitude of theories and views on this topic especially in the age of digitization. Uh, in principle, it's the point that people uh, reject generally the accepted uh, explanations of phenomena. Um, sorry, I got distracted by Facebook message. Um, uh, in short, it's strongly assumed um, uh, 
from, from their perspectives that Homo sapiens would not have, be able to perform ancient miracles, as they say, in history. So, for instance, the pyramids could not be built, Stonehenge could not have been built by people themselves. They must have had help. And by whom? If not by a higher being, um, which is for them, of course, extraterrestrials. What, what else? Um, religious texts in particular, mostly creation myths like the one in the Bible, come into focus of pre-astronauts quite oftenly. They are often interpreted literally and the events described in them, in them are interpreted, interpreted as actual happenings, which even most uh, theologians don't do nowadays. Um, here, um, the achievement of historical critical text interpretation comes into play. Divine intervention is not interpreted as such in comparison to today's development as the action of highly developed technology. This makes pre-astronautic as it were a substitute religion, if you will. Um, and um, the myth is thereby actualized and yet does not lose its relevance to community. This pre-astronautic myth also serves in various forms as historic image for so-called UFO or extraterrestrial intelligence religions. Um, uh, there are probably numerous, we don't know everyone uh, involved in that, but uh, sometimes they turn up in the news, uh, for instance, uh, sects or cults, which um, then uh, do something outrageous like um, the, the cult sex, uh, sect of Stargate, uh, if you recall that in the 90s, which um, uh, we're using pre-astronautic and uh, all mixture of pop culture and uh, unfortunately uh, committed suicide, uh, thinking that they would now ascend to heaven or to, to the UFO or whatever. Um, for um, the archaeology, Context of pre-astronautics is, for instance, um, much um, of, of importance. Um, the idea of out-of-place artifact, out artifacts, which um, um, were used as point out as alleged shortcomings of established science. This includes images or parts of anachronistic technology or objects that supposedly could not be produced without any means from the heavens, from extraterrestrial or whatever. Famous examples are the depiction of a light bulb in Egyptian sites of Dendera or the Nazca lines in Peru, for instance. Um, the theory I just um, showed to you, where does it come from, actually? Well, you probably uh, all know Erich von Däniken, Erich von Däniken, as he is called in German, um, and uh, his um, series of books, which are multitude. Uh, I think he's now on the, uh, the twenty fifth or something. Uh, well, uh, lots, lots, lots of books, um, uh, which he uh, publishes every year uh, in a, a new series, and. Um, he uh, began in the uh, 90, uh, 1968 with the memories of the future of German Erinnerungen an die Zukunft. Um, and uh, it started a kind of um, denikitis, if you want to, um, a, a mass phenomenon uh, which then influenced uh, many, many other, uh, which then uh, later 
uh, worked on the field of pseudo-archaeology, if you can that call work. But um, as you see in the arrows, uh, this does not uh, originate in, in Erich van Däniken. He um, borrowed, if you will, the idea. Um, some say he even um, stole this idea from others, uh, for instance, Robert Chahoux, who wrote uh, the um, a, a, a book on, on this same topic in uh, the 1960s already. So um, there were even uh, legal claims uh, by Robert Giroux, um, which were settled, um, I think, in, in silence. Uh, but even Giroux was not coming up with the idea of ancient gods which came from the heavens and influenced mankind. Um, this idea was already um, uh, brought forward in um, The Morning of the Magicians by Powell's and Bergier, uh, two French authors, uh, already uh, also um, published in the 60s, which then <laughs> for themselves did not uh, invent the idea of ancient uh, uh, old gods coming from above. Um, this already can be found in the 1920s in the works of H.P. Lovecraft, um, uh, who uh, invented the Cthulhu uh, myth and uh, many more, uh, which deals with an uh, ancient, uh, old and malevolent uh, gods. Um, so probably there's one of the origins of uh, the theory. Um, but coming back to, to Erich van Däniken, um, his ideas um, attracted others, of course, uh, to deal in the field. Um, in uh, the, his subsequent books, um, um, uh, sorry, um, the, the, there was even a film, a movie made on uh, a documentary, if you will, based on the book, which was even then nominated for an Oscar in 1969. Uh, um, and Denikin didn't have much from that. Uh, he was sitting in jail at the time because uh, he was uh, serving his time for fraud, as his time as house, uh, housekeeper, sorry, hotel keeper, uh, hotelier. And he was needing quite quite a deal of money, which then uh, apparently came from publishing his books, uh, where you have maybe have one of the reasons why he published so many books. Um, well, in his numerous books, Daniken takes up numerous allegedly inexplicable phenomena, or allegedly, um, and objects, and traces them back to the work of extraterrestrials. Uh, for then, uh, quite well, a novel idea, um, as, uh, at least in the pop culture, um, that, uh, of course, as I said, uh, he borrowed that probably from older publications. Um, since his great success in the 70s, Danica had continued to build on that. Um, uh, he um, not only published his book, he even founded a mystery park, um, which showed the uh, fantastic stories which he came up with. And uh, unfortunately, this had to close uh, 2006 due to financial problems, was then uh, re-established as Jungfrau Park, which now has a little bit more uh, on, on, the, on, the, um, uh, on, on the Alps uh, region there. But uh, still, you can still see the, the models uh, of Daniken's uh, findings, uh, if you will, um, among amusement park. Um, on the right-hand side, you see another important 
figure for um, uh, the ancient astronauts theory. This is um, the Azerbaijani American author Zecharia Sitkin. Sitchin. Um, he um, included the whole of the uh, Near East to uh, the region of extraterrestrial, um, making up an idea um, that the ancient Mesopotamian cuneiform texts, um, which he probably was not even able, able to read, um, were a proof for the visits of, of um, ET from in ancient times. Uh, the so-called Anunnaki, Mesopotamian gods of the underworld, were said to have come from the 12th planet of the solar system, uh, which is called Nibiru. Um, uh, I, I don't uh, recall, I think we're now to eight planets in our solar system, but of course, um, uh, Nibiru is one of the um, uh, the the, the uh, planets which turn up in pseudoscience quite often, um, one day destroying the world uh, what, and doing whatever, uh, but it's not taken seriously in astronomy, astronomy uh, of course. Um, but those gods, which Sitchin claimed uh, uh, to have proven, um, they colonized the earth and created humans as work slaves. Work slaves. They achieved it this through genetic manipulation. Um, and then um, something happened. There was a war between humans and aliens. And um, you probably know this uh, plot uh, if you've seen the Stargate movie or the series, um, which is going back probably on, on, on Sitchin's ideas. Uh, but still, um, uh, his theories are important pillar of pre-astronautic theory and are um, often um, mentioned in pseudo-archaeology texts. Um, another guy, which is probably better known for the memes, um, is uh, on the left uh, left hand side under Deniken, which is um, the Swiss Greek parascientist Giorgio Tsoukalos. Um, which is a symbolic figure for the series Ancient Alien. He's even called the Ancient Alien Guy, um, better known for his haircut than for his ideas. But still, he's a, a great follower of Daniken, uh, propagating his ideas. He was even um, the head of Daniken's Ancient Alien Society for a long time and publishing um, the magazine um, Legendary Times, um, which uh, dealt with uh, Danikin's ideas. And um, of course, this is just a group of um, uh, people from the field of pseudo-archaeology. I could uh, fill that with even, even more, uh, but I want to, to show you another one because I think um, he's uh, one of the more unknown figures of um, Paleo-City or uh, um, pseudo-archaeology, uh, but he's uh, also very um, interesting because you can um, uh, watch many, many um, um, ideas co uh, which he collected from the other authors and uh, he's very um, interesting to look on because um, you can learn how to become a pseudo-archaeologist by him. Uh, we'll show you something uh, later on. He was um, uh, he's, uh, an entrepreneur in recycling scrap metals. Uh, he made his money from, but he's uh, born in Bosnia. Uh, did I did I call his name? He's uh, Samir Sam Osman Nagic. Um, 
uh, he's um, famous for finding the Bosnian pyramids. Um, uh, I have to settle it a bit earlier. He was, uh, with his money he made in um, scrap metal recycling, he uh, made journeys to South America and was very uh, smitten by the old uh, ruins there and wanted to work in the field of pre-Columbian archaeology. He wasn't permitted to do um, actual archaeological work because he's missing academical background. So his gaze fell to his homeland, Bosnia. And very conveniently here, he found in 2006 um, that there's a pyramid directly at his hometown, Isoko. His lack of academical education did not hinder him to uh, gain a um, title of a PhD or even um, later on even um, a chair of archaeology uh, in the American University of Sarajevo. But um, if I tell you that in his thesis he claims that the Maya were descendants from aliens uh, coming from the Pleiades, uh, you probably uh, see that he is deeply rooted in pseudo-archaeology as well, even with the title um, from the University of uh, Sarajevo. Um, another hint that uh, he's meddling in pseudoscience is his uh, 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 membership in the Russian Academy of Natural Science, not to be con uh, confused with the Russian Academy of Science. Uh, the Russian Academy of Natural Science seems to be um, more or less a title mill for pseudoscientists. Um, more to Osman Agic and his Bosnian pyramids later. The individuals approaching here follow all the same principles. The question is raised whether there's a phenomena which has something to do with prehistoric or historical visits by aliens and their influence. Um, they, in their, their works, they constantly repeat the questions in, uh, on uh, coming to the conclusion that there is no other possible explanation than extraterrestrial origin, or is it, or is it not? Um, the ultimate statements always kept vague on purpose. Um, if you want to learn how to uh, not to write uh, um, uh, scientific literature, um, uh, my professor gave, gave me uh, in my uh, study years the, uh, uh, the advice to look into Denikin because you can learn quite a lot by his writings, but not not for the content, but from the from the way he writes and how he keeps vague on on purpose. The absence of real of uh, of real uh, tangible tangible evidence uh, um, sets them even as an as an opportunity uh, to bring in circumstantial evidence, which is then woven in an overall picture, uh, which then ends in a kind of proof, if you will. Um, this is quite theoretical at the moment. I want to show you um, some examples yeah evidence for uh, extraterrestrial influence on earth um, you see four sites which i chosen of course there's many many more um, we can talk later uh, in the question and answers um, uh, what what else there is on on proofs or so-called proofs um, which are sometimes um, debunked quite quite easily other, on the other hand, um, sometimes taking even longer. There's a nice saying in German which says um, it takes an 
uh, scientists use uh, to debunk uh, things pseudoscientists say in five minutes. Um, the same is true here sometimes. Uh, we begin, of course, um, with Nazca. Nazca in Peru is, uh, of course, very famous for its, uh, its ancient geoglyphs. Uh, which were discovered uh, by chance by an overflight in 1926. There are approximately 1,500 geoglyphs, mostly long lines, uh, you can see them, and uh, but also uh, 70 uh, or a little bit more zoomorphic designs. The combined length of all lines is over 1,300 kilometers, uh, quite, quite a lot. Above all, the UFO theories of Eric Kondanikin have kept the kilometer-long lines and animals figuring uh, in the conversation for long. So that's that's why they're famous. But of course, they are also uh, very exciting evidence of ancient technology, which really existed. Um, after all, the giant floor drawings seem to be recognizable only from the air. Um, so it appears so uh, many pseudoscience scientists have brought up the ideas of uh, flying objects like hot air balloons, the more mundane explanation, or UFOs, which could be used to uh, arrange those drawings. But contrary to popular belief, the majority of the geoglyphs can be seen from the Earth, um, can be from points. Uh, on the side, which were a little bit elevated. For instance, um, uh, here's another picture of uh, one of the so-called runways, more later to that. Uh, but um, of course, a um, uh, little excurse here, um, Eric van Däniken uh, claimed that there um, were runways for UFOs. Um, he, here in this quotation, he uh, said, well, uh, people made fun, fun of me um, when I saw the, the lines in Peru, uh, which were uh, which are called uh, runways for spacecrafts. Um, uh, and people told me, no, spacecraft don't need it, uh, any, any runways. Um, later, he claimed, I never claimed that there uh, the lanes were where uh, the lines were used as runways for by extraterrestrial um, intelligence. Uh, of course, <laughs> never did. Uh, just just uh, a few years ago, he did. Um, but back to um, the uh, elevated sites like um, this temple in hill in Kuahi, uh, very near to um, the geoglyph sites, um, which is. Um, a uh, newly um, explorated uh, temple. Um, you can see by the many potsherds there, um, but uh, no uh, living quarters, no um, fireplace and so on. That's all were used as, um, as a temporary um, site for visitors, uh, for pilgrimages and so on, but not as a living quarters, not, not dwellings. So um, it's quite highly uh, plausible that they, this place was used to look on the geoglyphs, uh, especially on the rituals which were um, done there. Um, the lines were 
uh, created between 500 BC and BCE and 500 uh, CE by peeping, people making uh, depressions or shallow incisions into the desert floor, removing pebbles and leaving different colored dirt exposed so the, the lines are visible. So there's no alien technology needed here. Even more recent archaeological excavation revealed uh, the existence of wooden poles which were up to 10 meters high, from which the works then uh, easily could have been instructed. So uh, the interdisciplinary team of experts from the DAI, the German Archaeological Institute, um, uh, were, were set, uh, set together by um, coming, people coming from branches like geomatics, geomorpho geomorphology, archaeochronometry, Paleogenetics, uh, paleobotany, and so on. Um, quite diverse, uh, quite diverse background uh, from for the experts, and uh, this um, proved to be a very, very um, successful uh, cooperation. Uh, they worked together ten, in a ten-year research, um, and then discovered hidden altars and offerings at the corners of the floor drawings. Um, the shards show that they were used for um, a flying cat god, uh, which uh, is known from the Pottery shards, shards <clears throat> who was apparently watching um, from above. So there's no need for extraterrestrial observers also. Um, what is the reason for all this? Well, the researchers found remains of seafood near the altars, uh, especially the spondylus shell, which normally only occurs in um, distant Ecuador. And it's washed um, only south after hefty, hefty rainfall. Uh, um, the weather phenomenon El Nino uh, is, is, a, is a cause of that. Um, it's partic particular um, informative since um, the researchers assume that the muscle was then a symbol of fertility uh, since it brought uh, the water visit, uh, if you will, uh, the fertility and the, the moisture for agriculture. Uh, so water cult uh, obviously played a central role in the creation of those floor drawings. Apparently, large festive processions uh, took place on the lines, as they still occur today in, in the Andes. Uh, the Peruvian marched, uh, danced, made sacrifices and so on and begged the gods for rain. This apparently um, didn't work out in the end because the rainfall stopped approximately 600 CE and the Nazca people then had to move to different, more fertile regions. So no aliens apparently here. And even if you uh, see that at runways, you probably ask yourself why does uh, a spaceship has to fly for light years to, to, to reach the Earth and then uh, need a runway on Earth? Um, of course, this, um, this cartoon here makes a little bit fun of that. Um, coming to the next, um, which is on um, the left-hand side, in the, in the lower, um, uh, which is a depiction of the light bulb of Dendera. The idea here is that um, in, when, you, when you read popular books in ancient Egypt, you get the idea that um, the Egyptians were just primitive Stone Age people 
who suddenly got hold of um, advanced technology. So, um, uh, of, of course, that's wrong. We know that there's a little bit more to that story. But if you um, only read those books, you could easily get to the idea that there's um, there had to be some, uh, well, um, more advanced technology coming from elsewhere. For instance, the idea that um, the ancient uh, Egypts had uh, electric power and electric light uh, to uh, use for the building of the temples and tombs. The lack of suit in the Egyptians' temples was then proof for many pseudoscientists uh, for uh, the existence of electric light, of electric light, since um, there was no evidence for oil lamps or other means of light. Of course, this is nonsense because if you read the many written sources uh, in the time, the hieroglyphs and uh, uh, the parchments, um, you will uh, find out that, of course, many many sources um, for oil lamps or, for instance, lists of wicks which were handed out to the workers to use uh, then underground. Uh, and also you have to be literally blind to go through Egyptian temples, um, missing all the thick layers of suit uh, still there. Sure, most of this stems from later times, um, coming from peasants living uh, in the uh, derelict uh, buildings, using them as stables or dwellings uh, in the post-classic era. Era, uh, but uh, also from visitors uh, from uh, ancient ruins. But also, um, there is, of course, evidence for oil lamps in the time of the erection of those temples. Pseudo archaeologists always point to a bas relief, which you see here from the Hathor temple of Dendera. On the first glance, it looks like um, the depiction of a giant light, light bulb. Then you can know and co are um, very fast in explaining that the relief is hidden deeply in one of the Sutran chambers, and this is a proof of a secret knowledge uh, which only high priests were permitted to. In reality, uh, it's just another uh, of many reliefs in uh, in this building, and there's even more of that. Uh, there's an, another one. Um, in, uh, in, in the mother chamber, which is above ground, and there are even two similar ones in the uh, same chamber called the House of Somtos. The um, depiction then led uh, in the Jungfrau Park, which I mentioned earlier, to a kind of um, reconstruction, if you will, uh, showing the giant light bulb, light bulb um, uh, powered by um, the Baghdad batteries. More to that later. Um, of course, um, this is um, doing great harm to the real science there. Um, the Temple of Hathor is quite young. Uh, it uh, was built in beginning 5054 uh, BCE, um, already in Roman times. Um, Caesar was living already. Uh, and um, um, this temple is, of course, uh, influenced not only by uh, ancient Egyptian uh, religious uh, ideas, but also already by Hellenistic and uh, other influences. And if you look in uh, detail on, on uh, the depictions of the so-called light bulbs, you will see that there is, of course, um, a mixture of um, 
ancient riches um, ideas. Um, if you read the uh, Hieroglyphs, uh, which is inscribed next to it, which makes things much easier, which shows, of course, a depiction of it. It's uh, it's clear that this is a depiction of the birth of the sun god Hasmontos, uh, which is uh, born, uh, seen as a, as an, um, um, a serpent with a human head. You see them on the left-hand side. Um, he's born every morning from a lotus flower. Then... Uh, in the night, he's traveling through the body of Nut, the god of the sky, and uh, returning then next day uh, to be reborn again. And um, the uh, objects which are um, next to it is, for instance, not an, uh, a condensator, as it is claimed by pseudo-archaeologists, but it's, that's a so-called so jade pillar, which has arms here to, to hold um, and this this uh, uh, this bulb or bubble, probably at the the body of of the queen of the sky. Uh, you see another depiction here on the right hand side um, of a jet figurine, uh, which of course not a condensator, but of course rooted deeply in ancient um, uh, uh, mythology. So what is this all about? Is the chamber is apparently uh, as description also says um, used for the storage of ritual um, objects which were used in processions um, and were hidden away when uh, they weren't used because they were made from gold and of course even those times uh, they um, feared burglars and so on and, uh, for uh, everyone using uh, the chamber there was uh, the, the walls were used as some kind of um, uh, lists of uh, things which should be uh, in the inventory, if you will. Um, so no um, alien influence here. Um, coming back to to the to the idea of the um, batteries, of course. Um, how should a light bulb uh, of this size be powered? Um, there's the idea that there are uh, um, batteries in ancient times as well. Um, you see them here in the, re the reconstruction. Um, there's only one of those um, uh, pots uh, known, which is, was found in the, I think, 1920s in, in Baghdad, in the Museum of Baghdad, uh, by an artist who wanted to draw some objects. And then he realized this uh, pot could be of interest. He found out this was um, filled with an inlay of um, different metals and liquids, uh, probably acid liquids. And he thought, well, that looks very much like my, the battery of my lamp, which I'm using. And uh, this must be uh, a battery. And um, of course, um, this works if you, if you will, if you uh, put together the, the right ingredients. Uh, it produces um, a voltage of one, uh, 0.5 volts. But um, you could do that with a potato as well. So there are different uh, means of doing um, something like that. Um, it's not very much. If you wanted to, to power a normal battery uh, of, of, an, of an handheld um, uh, flash, a flashlight, uh, you probably need 20 to uh, power a battery for uh, to power it for, for a minute or so. And for um, it was uh, calculated if you want to um, work in an, in an underground tomb, 
for two years, um, they would need up to 250,000 of batteries like that. Um, the place should have been litter littered with uh, the remains of the used batteries, which it wasn't, of course, because it's, um, it's not a battery at all. Um, it's probably just a container for um, for spell or curse, which is in in um, included into uh, several containers, which had, of course, religious or mythological um, ritual um, uh, um, context um, and um, is probably not to be considered a battery at all. Even so, if it only was one, uh, there are different ones uh, which didn't work as, as containers. Um, uh, um, they did work earlier as containers, not as batteries, uh, also in the Museum of Baghdad. So um, it's probably the wrong idea to have a battery here. But to return to our series of, of out of place or oop art uh, artifacts, as it's called, um, uh, um, this one is quite famous also as the Technoglyphs of, from Abydos. Uh, which um, shows apparently um, the depiction of, um, an, I don't know if you see my, my pointer here, um, uh, on the middle half you see a helicopter if you look closely, and of course there's a kind of submarine, uh, below that there's an, a kind of an, a very bulky um, jet or so, and there's even below that is, an, uh, is a pistol or uh, a gun, machine gun of some sorts, uh, lying uh, upside down on the floor. Well, of course, if if that's not a proof for um, uh, for ancient uh, warfare, uh, modern technology coming from ET, what is it? That's probably <laughs> not uh, as you already uh, have, have guessed. Um, it's um, Kind of a misunderstanding as always. Um, you see here the original place of this bas relief, uh, which is in the temple of um, Setos the uh, first in Abydos. Um, its <laughs> existence is known since not the temple, but the inscription is known since 1897, when the Prussian expedition led by the Egyptologist Richard Lepsius. Uh, described this relief for the first time, and he came up with a solution for it as well. Um, this temple was uh, began to build under Sethos the first, who commissioned the first inscriptions. When he died, uh, the temple was not finished yet, uh, which was about um, one thousand two hundred seventy years uh, before the Christian uh, era. Um, his successor, Ramses II, had his um, name removed and built the temple as his own. And um, they, the workers did so by um, filling the former inscriptions with plaster, and then chiseling the new inscriptions over it. The old text vanished, but uh, was still there, of course. And uh, when uh, in the course of time, uh, the temple fell into ruins, the roof went down and the plaster was then um, crumbling uh, due to the forces of the elements. Nowadays, you see uh, the, the mixture of uh, two inscriptions, the old one and the new one, which can be easily discerned by any um, who is able to read hier hieroglyphs, which I'm not, but thankfully I know people who can, who sent me 
this graphic here um, showing um, in red the I think in red's the new one and uh, black is the old inscription and showing here you can clearly see uh, the cartouches uh, um, uh, are uh, replaced um, with the new names here and of course then uh, the the other name of uh, the king uh, which is Ramses II um, with all his surnames um, <laughs> uh, is here um, replaced and you can see that more uh, closely if I can find the button here. Um, here and you see it's just a mix mix up of different hieroglyphs, which uh, mean basically um, different names. And uh, for the German speaking uh, audience here, it's um, I think uh, just um, show it here for a quick time, uh, showing that that this um, text is just made up um, uh, with new. Uh, the insertion of new names, um, which describes the, the many names of Ramses II. So no mystery here, of course. <laughs> uh, now to one of the uh, last examples, the pyramids of Bosnia. Uh, here you can see one of the depictions of it. Well, that's an artist impression, of course, um, because the original uh, one does not really look like a, a pyramid anymore, as it is claimed, uh, especially claimed by people like Semi Osmanagic, which I mentioned earlier. He discovered, uh, um this pyramid, which was sitting just next to his hometown, Visoko. Um, and uh, he has, of course, discovered this is the oldest and, of course, the highest pyramids of the world. And you can see uh, this in uh, comparison to other uh, Egyptian uh, pyramids. And here the, the Dome of Cologne is uh, put in there as well to, to give you a comparison. Um, 220 meters high uh, from the sole to the bottom, uh, to, to the top, bottom to top. And so um, uh, this should be the greatest pyramid of all. And of course, um, it's not. Uh, Simi Osmanagic, which uh, I met personally, um, which uh, uh, is um, repeating one sentence very often, uh, also uh, says it to me, uh, forget all they told you about archaeology, it's not true, because only he has the truth, of course. And at the first glance, if you don't deal with archaeology at all, it looks a little bit convincing even. Um, there are stone settings like the pavement for a procession road, uh, which he excavated. And of course, there's concrete blocks, uh, which were uh, cast on the spot, apparently. Um, then there's um, even tunnel system, which leads to the pyramid, or one of the pyramids, I have to say, there's not only this pyramid, but the whole valley, uh, on the left-hand side of the, of the pyramid in the background there is full of pyramids, of course, and the tunnels themselves are um, apparently human-made. Uh, you see that. Um, uh, um, even you see a stone setting here on the right-hand side, which is clearly, and that's not, not a joke, it's clearly human-made, but of course there's an explanation for that. And um, 
there's uh, even uh, more to it because if you um, measure the energy, if you stand on the top of the pyramid, you, you find that there's an energy coming from the pyramid, which is uh, uh, getting stronger uh, the higher you, you measure, which is physically impossible, possible, as I was told, but uh, of course, um, nothing is impossible for the believers. Um, so uh, apparently this energy beam is directly, uh, di directly uh, directed to the Pleiades, where else. Um, this <laughs> all outlandish claims. Um, had me and a friend of mine, Sebastian Bartoschak, um, uh, brought to to Sarajevo and to Visico. We made a travel there and wanted to see the pyramids for ourselves uh, because one of the many um, growls Asman Agic and the other pseudo-archaeologists have with the mainstream archaeologists, as they ca call us, is you don't even watch, you don't even come and see the evidence for yourself. So we came there uh, thought maybe it's a waste of time and kind of wasn't, kind of wasn't not. <laughs> um, the pyramid itself was a little bit disappointing, as you might uh, guessed already. Um, there's only one side of the so-called pyramid, which is um, in the form of a triangle, um, which is um, not seen uh, from the north side. If you look from the north side, it looks like another one of the many hills uh, in this uh, area. But of course, there are many more pyramids which don't look like pyramids, but hills. Um, you see here one of the um, uh, maps of the, of the region. Of course, it's littered here with, with pyramids, pyramid of the sun, pyramid of the moon, pyramid of the god of love, uh, of the Bosnian dragon, and of Mother Earth. Well, um, I leave that to you. Um, what is, uh, is it? It's, it's, it's just plain geology. Um, of course, there are many um, hills and many mountains which are triangular shaped, uh, which is of, uh, due to, to uh, geology, of course. Uh, there are many, many examples in uh, on Earth <laughs> and even on other planets, um, which uh, shows the same feature. And if you look closely on the so-called pavements, all, uh, all, this is all also appearing elsewhere, uh, which is uh, due to um, the, the uh, breaking of layers of stone, uh, sandstone, for instance, uh, but also other stones, which um, form uh, um, the appearance of uh, hand-laid plasters. If you go to Northern Ireland, you can see there as even um, the, the Giant's Causeway, which looks like a giant building project uh, uh, for bridge uh, crossing crossing the ocean there, uh, which is all geology, of course. But it puzzled Germ uh, Germans, <laughs> puzzled Germans as well, <laughs> puzzled humans, uh, of course, in all times, so, uh, not only Osman Hagic, of course. And of course, the concrete blocks are nothing but the the natural uh, rocks uh, un underneath the the um, the earth lying there on the hill, but um, there is concrete, 
<laughs> or uh, conglomerate, if you will, which is um, called pudding stone. I was called uh, um, told that this um, the the uh, geologist's name for it. In Germany, we have even a nice name for it. It's Herrgottsbeton, uh, which is uh, our our um, our lord uh, lords. Um, uh, concrete, if you will, and it's used uh, mainly for um, uh, kitchen tables and so on. <laughs> so, um, oh, I'm told I have to, to hurry up a little bit. Okay, I will do that. Um, of course, um, just a little um, view on the tunnels. Of course, they are man-made because they were used for mining uh, in the 19th century. So, no uh, riddle to that. Osman Hagic here is quite professional use, uh, using the media for his um, ideas, for propagating the ideas. Um, but of course, he's only one of the many pseudo-archaeologists in this field. Now, where's the harm? Um, of course, you can say that this is harmless, uh, just uh, some ideas of some folks um, that can uh, sell books to those which are uh, believing all this stuff. But um, of course, there is harm. Um, for instance, this gives, gives archaeology a bad name, if you will. Uh, archaeology is not the, the, the hunt for treasures or sensations, but it's hard work. It's um, the context which is important. Uh, here's a uh, view of my own workspace, uh, um, which I used several years ago, and the magazine of an uh, archaeology museum. Uh, you have hundreds of thousands of portraits of finds which um, form the background, the context of uh, of the culture which you're dealing with. And if you don't, uh, if you only look on one of the shards, you don't see the whole picture. You have to see the context of it. On the other hand, it's the, uh, pseudo archaeology destroys real archaeology. Uh, for instance, here the Visoko Castle um, is next to, uh, uh, it's on on the top of of the Pyramid of the Sun in Bosnia, and uh, if you see uh, next to it the, the excavation sites uh, which dig through the original uh, layers of real archaeology, there um, it destroys the archaeology which is lying around if it's not um, documented properly, which is not um, done there. And of course, it does great harm to um, the place itself. It attracts, of course, uh, all believers, uh, which brings a little bit money to the town. But um, uh, Osman Nagish there, for instance, has um, the uh, hot hotel there in his uh, hand, if you will, and only um, trying to get the people there, not to the locals. And locals which we spoke to there, they, they were very disappointed with um, with, with his um, influence there. Um, yeah, short view on um, souvenirs uh, from there. I even have one bought, souvenir brought there as well. Um, but um, it does not go to the locals, but mostly to Osman Nagic. And it attracts more weirdos, um, finding pyramids all over the place. Here, for instance, in Göppingen, there's one in South uh, Antarctica, where there's now found in Serbia and where else. Of course, it's uh, all rubbish. Um, so what what's um, the issue then? How to become a pseudo-archaeologist? Uh, theory first, then the evidence fitting to uh, your theory no matter how vague it is. Ignore all contradicting evidence, stay vague, only ask questions, 
um, so it can't be um, uh, confronted with the evidence and ignore all other research, ignore chronological and cont cultural context, blame mainstream ecology for fails, lack of funding of lack of pub uh, public recognitions to them, and if log logic fails, aliens. And what's the issue? Of course, there's racism behind it. If you claim that the um, great sites of the ancient uh, um, people could only be built by the help of, of extraterrestrials, you um, do great harm to the people really doing the work uh, there. Uh, they were seen as primitives, as, uh, and even their, their descendants are sometimes seen as primitives. Uh, if you look closely, most of the times those sites are not in, in the Western culture but uh, mainly in Africa, in, in China, in South America, where um, sometimes the pseudo-archaeologists see the to people today as, as primitive. Here, uh, for instance, Erfan um, uh, Denikin claiming that the Negro race, if he calls him, sorry, N-word, um, is uh, an, uh, uh, the white whites are superior to them, and of course uh, they were uh, created by an extraterrestrial race uh, to um, as, as a mistake, and then they uh, made the whites uh, to to better for better purposes. So it's uh, deeply racistic in the core. And coming back to uh, the crazy guy from the from the riots, here um, he is also. Uh, meddling with pseudoscience here um, you see the tattoos from from his breast here um, viking tattoos um, showing that he's rooted in uh deeply in in a white superior myth which is uh, using norse mythology there um if you look into his videos uh for, from great awakening and we see the q map showing all the all the lies in the world the so-called lies and if you look closely you find here the bosnian pyramids gravity taping ancient aliens and so on you see um all the same stuff coming up with the racists uh, and uh, the white supremacists everywhere even in germany if you see vikings running around with a swastika on their shields uh it's it's an issue so what's to take home from this talk, of course, um, look closely on pseudo-archaeology. Pseudo-archaeology is not harmless. It's, it's a basis for many outlandish claims, which then forms uh, the basis of, of many other um, conspiracy theories. Thank you for coming here. I think I'm running out of time now. And thank you for listening. <laughs> Sorry. That was a sprint towards the end. It was. Thank well. you very much, Mirko. That was quite interesting. I think uh, I heard that we had a lot of comments in our chat. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. So, Mirko, let's start us off with an easy one. What yeah. things should I bury that would be most useful to future archaeologists? <laughs> um, text, maybe. Um, uh, your diary. <laughs> would be nice. Um, as I uh, come across objects, um, I'm very uh, fond of, of things with inscriptions on them uh, because they have um, not only the object itself, but it has it uh, also shows what the, the owner or the maker of the object thinks about it. And uh, mm -hmm. so it's probably useful to, to if you bury yourself with something, um, uh, bring them text with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever. Um, I think this would be very useful for future archaeologists. 
can't beat that personal touch. Or maybe if you're more on the uh, on the financial side, uh, maybe just bury yourself with with uh, with your um, uh, what's called uh, oh my, my, <laughs> I ruined my own joke. Uh, how's it called the cyber money? Uh, uh, <sighs> Bitcoins, yes, of course, uh, just Bitcoin code. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. I see. Trillion or so. Apologize, I didn't realize who asked that last question. I should have mentioned it. Igor, our friend from Russia, asks, do you know some crazy archaeology-related theory that is true but sounds unbelievable? Um, that's a good question. Um, um, that's a crazy, crazy theory. Um, hmm. At the moment, I don't recall any, but I think that there are many. But at the first glance, many, many theories sounds crazy. But um, yeah, I can't can't recall now for for one. Sorry, maybe later on if you just uh, yeah. cross, cross my mind. Sorry, wasn't there something in, in 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 the area where you're living where they found some kind of workplace of a Dr. Faustus? <laughs> or do I misremember something uh, actually, there? Yeah, um, that's my near my workplace. Um, uh, actually, it's not that good as, as it sounds to be, but it's uh, still it's it's an um, workshop of um, um, of of an uh, oh, uh, um, of alchemists apparently, but also okay. uh, <laughs> even so. Uh, he was in the area. Uh, he was there um, between 1525 and 1532, uh, I think. And um, uh, he was uh, met by Melanchthon and uh, didn't want to, uh, Luther, Luther didn't wanted to meet him because he was a uh, necromant and uh, wanted to, to curse him or something. Uh, but uh, just a couple of years ago, there um, they found a workshop um, Thereby, by an excavation full of uh, glass shards from alchemist uh, vessels, and at first glance, it looked like looked like uh, the workshop of Dr. Faustus. Even uh, having a vessel uh, with a small dog inside, the remains of a small dog, uh, but probably this was a workshop for um, pharmacists, uh, which uh, used then. Um, uh, um, this this place, the derelict uh, uh, monastery, uh, which was given up during the formation as workplace uh, to um, do something with antimon, um, probably a kind of uh, all uh, all healing uh, um, uh, medication or something. Okay. There was more. There was uh, antimon was there found in an amount which could kill, uh, could have killed all, all of the of the Germans in the time. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, for medical okay. reasons, but uh, apparently it is not very healthy to use that. <laughs> but still, okay. Right. I see. Good. Next question. Unfortunately, we don't have a name. Do you have any comments on biblical archaeology, like reports of them finding Jesus' house recently? Yeah. Um, um, of course, it's just um, great work done there <laughs> uh, by biblical archaeologists, uh, no doubt to that. But uh, sometimes um, this, uh, some of the, those uh, people meddling with, with pseudo-archaeology as well. The problem is if you have a theory first and then uh, try to find things which fits to your theory, and even if, if it's uh, the life of Jesus or the disciples or whatever, um, it, uh, it uh, makes things 
sometimes a little, little bit shady. So if you find something which looks like the house of Jesus, then um, you should be very doubtful about that. Uh, so probably most of the of the findings uh, should be seen with a grain of salt. Um, uh, they're interesting in their in their findings themselves. Uh, interesting for the culture there. But um, uh, you shouldn't do the, the mistake to jump to conclusions and even relate that to uh, religious themes. Okay, good. Another question by Anonymous. Has any object ever been found that defies explanation? Anonymous is uh, very, <laughs> very uh, has many questions, I see. Um, um, yes, uh, yes and not. Um, yes and no. Uh, there was, for instance, the um, the, the um, uh, object of antique terror, uh, which is a kind of clockwork uh, thingy, which looked like a kind of an old computer or something. Uh, you, if you found something on like this on on a scrap uh, scrapyard, um, you would think it's a kind of an old uh, clock or so. Uh, it looks very modern at the first glance. It has um, gears on it. It has uh, it uh, looks very complicated, very sophisticated. And at the first glance, of course, it looks like something which did not fit to the ancient Greek times uh, from which it stems. But um, further research shows it's it's very interesting stuff. It's uh, highly sophisticated technology of the time. But it's, of course, it's still... Um, uh, fitting to the time, um, uh, but uh, even so, it's it's very high-ranking uh, technology there. Um, um, at the first glance, it looks like something unbelievable, something which would be forged or so. But at the end, it turned out to be more interesting as a real object. So, it's, it's, uh, the last two questions sound like the fact that bias can inf in influence the findings that you have as an archaeologist by either giving you what you wanted to find or by letting you find something that you don't want to accept as belonging to the era where you think it belongs to. Of course, bias is one of the uh, uh, most evil enemies of archaeologists or scientists as well, um, because you have to be neutral uh, towards your findings. And that's very hard to do, of course, because you have an idea and you want to, to find something which fits to your idea. Of course, the, the, the urge is quite uh, real, but still um, you have to overcome that uh, quite often. And I think that the, we talked about this earlier, um, the best thing which you can see as a, say as a scientist, which makes you a scientist is to say, I don't know. But I want to know. I want to find out. That's, that's, mm. that's the spirit that you have. You don't have to uh, jump to conclusions because you want an explanation. Um, sometimes it's it's also possible to say, I don't know. Maybe there's another one uh, coming up later which uh, can solve this riddle. But sometimes uh, you have to confess that you are just uh, uh, don't have the answer yet. Good. Next question comes from Grimbeard. Does pseudo-archaeology have any upsides, like grabbing people's interest and drawing students into the field, who can then be taught the real archaeology? Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, yes, I, I met uh, a guy in, in Bosnia uh, who came from pseudo-archaeologist background and then turned to the good side, uh, if you will. Um, but I think... Um, uh, it's a wrong way around because um, it's very hard to overcome 
uh, your biases, your, your pseudoscience beliefs. If you invest too much already in in one of your topics, in one of uh, work in in, uh, in in the topics, it's very hard to uh, uh, confess that you were wrong at the time. So even the longer you you dwell in in the field, um, the longer you uh, uh, the harder it is to get out of that because you wasted ten years of work and so on. And so it's very hard to to stand up and say, well, I was wrong all the time. It happens sometimes. It's, it's very hard to do. Um, uh, does it attract uh, other people? Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, many people I met, uh, many archaeologists I met, uh, say, well, they started by looking into the books of Eric von Däniken as, uh, as students. And then uh, later on, they uh, were interested in the field, wanted to find Atlantis and so on and found out that the the real archaeology site is much more interesting than all the fantasies okay is it fair to say that pseudo archaeologists always look for the sensationalist stuff yes of course but not all not only pseudo archaeologists archaeologists tend to do that as well unfortunately okay. um uh it comes uh, it's, it's a system failure if you will um archaeology is founded mainly by the public and if you want to get more funding you need uh, more public interest in your topic. Yeah. But, um, we have many examples uh, of people propagating sensational finds, which were not so sensational at all, and then forgetting all the other stuff. But sometimes, apparently, have to do that. Uh, some people are very successful for doing uh, doing this, and on the other hand, still doing the the real archaeological work. Uh, this can work, but I think it's it's the wrong way to do that. Um, yeah. Because in the end, uh, you end up um, having the urge, uh, having the need to to uh, f all, always find sensational items um, and uh, disregarding the normal, uh, so-called normal archaeology. Yeah, good. Next question comes from Nadia. Do you have a cat god watching from above? And if yes, can we see it, please? <laughs> I think she's referring to the items behind you in your shelf. I have a cat in my household, and uh, I, th I think he sees himself as the god here. <laughs> That's all underlings doing all stuff for him. Uh, but probably uh, you're referring to one of my helmets, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe. That's uh, uh, Google, which is an, a little bit higher up. Oh, sorry. That's a Hundsgoogle uh, replica of an. Um, 40th century um, uh, helmet, uh, which is um, uh, uh, been found, um, I think, in the vicinity of Wittenberg as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but this one isn't, it's just a replica from, I think, from 19th century even. Uh, bought it several years ago and uh, it comes with me. <laughs> it's not a cat god, but it's watching me all the, all the time. So, Nadia, unfortunately, no cat god, no cat either tonight, but. Uh, sorry. Uh, I thought, um, maybe it's this one, uh, a toy, a toy Martin Luther duck, <laughs> um, which is guarding me as well, but uh, still, yeah, no, <laughs> no cat dog. sorry. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Next question, Grady Earthling asks, do you think that better education explanation of archaeological methods, how they work it out, could help people understand what's real and what isn't? Yes, I think you're referring to... Um, 
uh, the transferring of knowledge in, in popular uh, popular science, popular uh, ways like we do today and talks like this and so on. Um, I think it would help. I think um, you're better off in, in Great Britain um, uh, with that because uh, I spent a year in, in Scotland and learned that there's many, many people are aware uh, as, as young students in the in the young ecologists clubs and so on. And there's uh, their uh, TV series on archaeology in the prime time. And so uh, which is not that uh, much in, in Germany, for instance. Um, so I think the understanding of, of archaeology um, is much better in, in Great Britain than it is uh, maybe in mainland Europe, but still, it's um, I think could could be done more more properly. Um, if you look uh, in documentaries, they they stress the sensationalism, uh, not so much how it's done and uh, what, what methods are, um, especially since the methods were now uh, evolving. Um, there's much more aerial. Um, Photography uh, using drones and so on. Um, so there's there's uh, lots of things going on in uh, dendrochronology, in uh, genetics, for instance, which is much uh, it's a very very important field nowadays. Uh, studying ancient DNA and so on. Um, but I think it's um, could could use more could use more public um, appearance. True. Okay, Rob asks, what do you think is the most dangerous aspect of pseudo-archaeology? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's probably this, the one which I mentioned um, at the end of the talk, <laughs> talk quite fastly. Um, it's a racist aspect of it, um, saying that there uh, can only be uh, their, their ancient aliens which uh, built uh, Stonehenge and uh, other, other places like that. Um, uh, is, is deeply racist. Um, it's it's showing that the, the people living in the times of building those great constructions uh, were primitive, were not able to do that. Uh, um, it, it's uh, even then um, uh, coming down to the descendants, uh, especially if you look to, to Africa or so, um, the place like Zimbabwe, for instance, uh, was, it took very long to be accepted as as um, construction of the local people there, not of uh, intruders from elsewhere, uh, white ones even. Um, so it's uh, it's actual an, 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 a site which were done by the natives, which are still around today. So uh, it's still um, needed to be acknowledged as as part of their. Um, and ancestry. Uh, if you if you don't acknowledge that you you're destroying kind of their ancestry as well. Yeah, that's true. There it is. Good. Uh, question from Pete H. Don't Egyptians get quite upset with the idea that ancient Egyptians couldn't possibly have built the pyramids themselves? So it must be aliens. A good question. I didn't ask any Egyptian yet, but uh, I think that the idea. Um, uh, could could do great harm to to the local peoples um, there. Um, um, I'm not quite sure how they themselves react to that, of, but of course I know the the public response of that, of course of uh, of uh, Egyptologists from Egypt as well who renounce those ideas as deeply racist as uh, deeply racist as as well. So they are upset apparently. Okay. At least so, at least science. Uh, yes, rightly so. Yeah, good. Rob asks, um, is there a favorite pseudo-archaeological idea that you've come across? 
<laughs> favorite one. Oh, ah, it's uh, hard to choose. <laughs> it's like choosing your favorite child. Uh, also, um, well, it's it's hard to say. Um, I, I like the idea of of the uh, light bulb of Dendera. Um, I believed that myself when I was quite young and read about that uh, in one of the books of Dedekind, I think. Um, uh, and the idea is great, of course, to say, well, the ancient Egyptians were so great that they had invented something which was invented later again and so on. Yeah, of course, I like that. But of course, the, the reality is quite different. And as, uh, as I always say, uh, reality is more fantastic than the fantasy uh, among them. Yeah. Good. Um, next question. Do you have a favorite OOP art? Oh, it's the same question, basically, isn't it? It, 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 it comes down to the same question. Yeah, down, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's uh, there? Um, uh, how it's called? Uh, uh, this, this, I like this so-called. Oh, it's called the London Hammer or something. Um, it's, it's basically um, an, an hammer which was found inside a, a stone. Uh, which is then uh, uh, dated and thought to be uh, uh, coming from from uh, very very early um, uh, earth tectonic uh, times. Um, it turns out to be, of course, um, it's, uh, just a 19th century hammer which was uh, dropped in the mud and the mud uh, became hard and so it ended up in in the stone, which is quite a nice story um, and something uh, something which is. Easily debunked, but still uh, <laughs> and spread. Yeah, true. Yeah. Good. Okay, Andrew got a question. Watch. Uh, sorry. What motivates a sensible person such as yourself to debunk such harmless stupidity? And he asks, "Is it? It is harmless, right?" Um, you answer the question yourself. Thank you for, for for saying that I'm a sensible person. I hope to be. Um, it's uh, it's not harmless, um, uh, especially in in the last year we've seen the uprise of right wing uh, supremacists in in half Europe. You, you remember Anders Breivik, for instance, who shot uh, several people on, on an island in in Sweden, um, who. Uh, Norway, sorry, Norway, Norway, um, who uh, was deeply rooted into uh, pseudo-archaeologists, pseudo but also pseudo-historians uh, and whatever ideas. And um, the idea of a super soldier, uh, which is also uh, driving uh, Jack Angeli, um, is, was rooted in him as well. If you uh, read, which I try not to, uh, but still had to read uh, through his manifests, um, um, this idea is coming up from, from the idea that um, there's uh, ancient origins of the white race and something mm -hmm. like then you have, if you are an archaeologist, you have to oppose those ideas. Uh, I think that's it's a firm belief of myself. So I'm dealing with those things to show the dangers of that. That's a very good point. Okay, Rob McDee asks: The Bosnian pyramids seem to be inspired by real Mexican sites. Oh, Rob, why are you doing this to me? Teotihuacan and Cholula, specifically, is this right, or is he imagining things? Um, I'm, I'm very thankful that you pronounced it. <laughs> I tend to read it normally. Um, the 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 sites are at least the idea that that the Bosnian pyramid, uh, so-called pyramid, is uh, a Mexican um, uh, temple hill or something like that is is quite similar. Uh, 
um, to the Mexican sides. It's, it's true. Um, that's because uh, Osman Nagic was was working or uh, was 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 visiting more or less uh, Mexican sites um, in his early career and um, his uh, thesis is dealing with the Maya and thinking that the Maya culture is the oldest uh, culture in the world dating back ten thousands of years and so and coming from Pleiades and so of course he finds uh, a pyramid which looked like this because he thinks it's the same same culture same same influence from from uh, extraterrestrials or even extra dimensionals uh, if you talk to him when the camera and the microphone is off um, it shows that the ideas which he's uh, dealing in is a mixture of everything. Um, like mm -hmm. the Anon movement itself is also a coming coming from reptiloids uh, ruling the world and um, uh, chemtrails, um, uh, which are around to to uh, dominate us all and whatever. Um, and of course, uh, he uh, is mixing up all um, ideas which he encountered uh, in the best Bosnian pyramid as well, like. Okay. Mexican origin, or at least the same origin for the Mexican sites. Okay, uh, we've got another question by somebody who didn't give us his name. That's why it's marked as anonymous. Uh, do whatever you want with that question. What is the oldest thing? Ah, that's that's a hard question, actually, <laughs> because um, where do you start? What's, what's this thing? Uh, is is a stone tool, which is just a pebble, which uh, uh, um, an early human picked up to to hit another on the head. Is it is this a tool, or is it a, is it just a stone? Um, uh, actually, the the first stone tools probably are the oldest things we know of. Um, um, uh, coming from uh, Paleo the Paleolithic uh, uh, era, um, I'm not sure what's the oldest is nowadays. Um, um, I think, of course, the the um, sites in Africa may, might be the the oldest ones, but I'm oh, not sure about that. Sorry, uh, but uh, this changes quite often. <laughs> but I think uh, the place that the Likis um, discovered um, the early humans does it does it already have stone tools? I'm not sure. Good question, but I, I keep that in mind. I have to look that up myself. Uh, that's one of the one the point where I have to say I don't know really, but I I want to find out. That's thank okay. you for this uh, for this hint. I will look that up. Good, and I think we're down to our last question. On the lighter side, if you had to become an evil archaeologist, what pseudo theory would you promulgate for fame and fortune? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Who doesn't say that, that I am not an evil archaeologist already? Um, <laughs> evil archaeologist. Ah, it's hard because um, actually it's not that easy to to fake something. Maybe maybe I want would fool uh, uh, the world by uh, saying that the nations were the first uh, to discover Europe or so before. Uh, all uh, the whites went to went to to uh, the American continent or so, just to <laughs> to anger all the white supremacists or so. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be nice to do. Actually, Are you sure there's money in that? <laughs> um, well, could be. <laughs> no, probably isn't. Um, but um, but but a good question. Uh, you have a great audience here. Um, uh, very clever one. Um, have to, to to think about this idea. 
when you find uh, find me in a few years uh, propagating the sensational find which changes history at all. Yeah, we'll, yes. we'll have a word of you then. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay. Thank you very much, Mirko. Um, that's it for tonight. See you all again next week. Thank you. That was the Skeptics in the Pub online podcast. For more skeptical content, including information about future talks, please like us on Facebook, follow at SITP on Twitter, or head to our website at sitp.online, where you'll also find a link to all the ways you can get in touch with us, including our Discord server. Music in this episode was provided by Thula Bora and used with permission. Until next time, thanks for listening.